Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we got the Combine coming up. Uh, well, it's going on right now. we got free agency coming up here in just over a week. The draft in under two months. So the offseason for the Cardinals remains extremely busy. And Darren Urban, the senior writer for azcardinals.com, is out at the Combine and joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right now. Darren, thank you for the time. What's going on? How are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Steve uh, Zinsmeister is in for Wolf today, so you will probably not get nearly as many fullback questions. I don't know if you were. <laughs> That's probably fair. Good to talk to you, Steve. What's up, Darren? Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's let's start here and I, just go big picture with the draft and how important it is for this team with Monty Austin Fort and you know his background with the Patriots and, and liking to build through the draft and that's kind of where the Cardinals uh, are right now. Um, just in general, Darren, not even just the third pick. What do you think are are the top you know maybe two or three spots that the Cardinals are looking to address in this draft? Well, I think both Monty Ford and Jonathan Gannon have talked a couple of times about the need to uh, to beef up both sides of the line of scrimmage, the offensive line and the defensive line. I don't think that's any question. It doesn't surprise me uh, kind of in the direction that the Cardinals went with, with Ford and what his background is and kind of where the Cardinals have been. The offensive line was never – uh, once in a while, you got a high pick for an offensive lineman, but usually Steve Kime was not using high picks on offensive linemen, and it, and it's it, it's cost them over the years in terms of where they are with the line right now, and maybe some youth, and and not always having to fill in the gaps with free agents, and so I think that's something that's necessary as well as obviously with JJ Watt retiring a defensive line that could use some help, uh, especially not knowing for sure what happens with Zach Allen. So I, I think those are two spots that need to be looked at. And I think uh, cornerback uh, with Byron Murphy going into free agency and some other questions back there in terms of your overall depth, I think that's another spot you need to look. And then uh, you're still always going to be concerned about premium positions. And, and that's why edge rusher is something that catches everybody's attention, especially at number three overall, whether it's a Will Anderson or a, a, a Tyree Wilson or something like that, where um, you can get somebody who – potentially to get you double-digit sacks on a, on a year, annual basis and, and, and make a big difference. I think those, those spots right now uh, are probably front of mind, but I, I think also with the roster they have, uh, they got a lot of leeway to go in a lot of directions because they could use a lot of talent. Darren, the uh, talk of the combine is the legal situation that Jalen Carter finds himself in. He's obviously one of the top prospects in this draft does his legal situation throw a bit of a wrench into the Cardinals plan with that first pick they have at number three or does it maybe clear a few things up for them well it's hard to know because I don't know exactly where the Cardinals have Jalen Carter in the first place Um, you know there's still things that need to get done in terms of visits and interviews and I'm not sure I I was figuring that they were going to meet with Jalen Carter out here uh, at some point. I know he returned to, to finish up his interviews. I, I think it could make it easier in some ways. I, look, ultimately, I think the quarterbacks are what really change where the Cardinal, what the Cardinals do at number three because the quarterbacks, if the Bears don't take a quarterback and they take a defensive player with that first overall pick, then you're almost guaranteed, in my mind, you're going to end up trading because – 
somebody's going to want to give you something for that third pick to get one of those quarterbacks. If the Bears trade out and the quarterbacks go 1-2, I think it becomes a little bit more interesting. But if the quarterbacks go 1-2, you've got Will Anderson or maybe Carter. But I'm guessing with what happened with Carter, Will Anderson jumps ahead. Uh, then you have the choice to take Anderson there. Or you could still trade down. I mean, the other thing we don't know, and I just posted a story about this uh, on azcardinals.com, is you figure Young and Stroud are going to be the first two quarterbacks off the board. But we, I, I saw a mock draft that had, I think, uh, uh, Levis at six and Anthony Richardson at 18. But, but so much can happen. And would I be completely stunned if enough teams were willing to come up into the top five or top six to take one or both of those guys too? I mean, that's, that's, that's what you end up running into with these quarterbacks. I'm not saying that's a lock by any stretch of the imagination, but and it's one of the reasons why it's tough right now to get a good idea of what the Cardinals might be facing in number three because, quite frankly, I, I think most of these questions are not going to be able to be answered until we're literally on the clock that Thursday night when the draft opens. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Darren Urban of azcardinals.com joining us right now. Uh, kind of building off that, Darren. Do you think there's a preference internally? I mean, obviously a player like Will Anderson would be great for a team with a defensive head coach that, I mean, all of a sudden you have a strong defense uh, potentially if you add somebody like that, whether it's, you know, Will Anderson or whoever. Uh, Or do you think there's a preference that they hope that there is still one of those quarterbacks on the board so that they can trade because there's more than just one hole to fill on this roster? Well, I mean, I don't know for a fact. I would say if I'm them, the preference is that Anderson is on the board. Uh, Well, I, I would say... I would say their preference would be to Anderson be on the board and somebody would still want to be trading up to number three to give them all the options. That's what I think their ultimate preference would be. Now, if their preference, if you're saying it's one of the other ones, which is Anderson's there and both quarterbacks are gone, lessening the potential for you to trade down, uh, that I don't know. I mean, obviously I feel like the, 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 the decision is almost made for you if Anderson goes ahead and then there's a quarterback on the board. I think you're you're almost locked into trading with somebody because there could be quite a haul. But I'm sure that's what the Bears want right now. I mean, the Bears, I'm sure, would rather just trade out of that pick and get some big uh, group. And the, and the question just becomes, what? Who's willing to come up to one or three? And then you got to also determine if you're one of those teams how far back you're willing to go and. Uh, you know, if the Panthers are the ones that are offering a good uh, a good package, but they're at number nine, are you willing to drop all the way to nine if you're either of these teams? So, I mean, that's that's part of the that's part of the give and take that goes through all this stuff. I kind of feel because of all these trade possibilities that Monty Ford in the front office, their conversation with other teams at the combine might carry more weight and be more important than even some of the individual player conversations that they have. Do you agree with that? I think there's something to that. Again, there's only so much that can happen at this point because people don't know. I mean, can, can somebody go and, and put a bug in Monty's ear that, Hey, if such and such quarterback is there, when you guys are picking at three, go call us. Cause we will absolutely have a package for you. Yeah. Um, but, but in terms of what we might be able to be willing to give up and all that stuff, I'm not sure that's necessarily going to happen at this point. Um, but I mean, Monty's been around this game long enough. I mean, that it's just natural. I mean, I'm on the outside looking in. I don't talk to any of these teams internally like these guys are, and it's not hard to kind of 
decipher where this might be going. Uh, and I'm not special in any way, shape, or form. Many people can kind of do that. So, I mean, this is this is just where it goes. It's a quarterback-driven league. Quarterbacks are, are, are what make and break teams ultimately. And if you can, you need to try and get one when you have a chance high up in the draft. Darren Urban of ACCardinals.com joining us live from the Combine. Uh, Darren, outside the draft, the part of this offseason now that really fascinates me is free agency coming up. Because it, at least through the draft, if you're rebuilding, you're going to take the best player that fits a need. I, like, I, I get all that, but as far as free agency, which is before the draft, how are the Cardinals planning on approaching that? Because it's not like you're going to go out and just grab a couple vets to fill a couple holes and think you're a Super Bowl contender. You kind of have to have the draft in mind while you're approaching free agency, don't you? Well... I would say that's true to a point. Um, I, I think every year it's a little bit more difficult in terms of I mean, you, you're just not going to know who you're going to end up in the draft with in the draft, and you don't know what direction that's going to go. I think with the where the Cardinals are right now, I would not be completely stunned if they – first of all, it's not like they're going to have a ton of money to spend. Um, they have a decent amount of cap space as it seems like it stands right now, but they also have a billion roster uh, spots to fill, whether they re-sign their own guys or they go out and get somebody else. So once you, once you just have the basic minimum number of players, they don't have a lot of cap space. So um, I don't know how much they're going to go after it. I think some of it's going to have to do with some of the decisions they make with the roster. Like if they decide ultimately to trade DeAndre Hopkins, do they just take that cap? hit and and absorb that all at once and and make sure that it's you know off the books and and if that happens and you you eat that all this year well then you're you're costing yourself obviously uh not only a player but you're costing yourself a bunch of cap space so i i think free agency is going to be about being smart with a couple of, of spots but um i don't see them doing a bunch of splashy moves for this year because it, in a lot of ways it just doesn't make sense in the long-term plan darren do the cardinals regret their best player available strategy they've used in the draft and, and what i mean by that is for example last year they draft a tight end at 55 overall i think it was in the second round uh, a good player by all accounts, but you already had two pretty good tight ends, whereas you could have taken a foundational player at a more key position. We heard Michael Bidwell on this station last week talk about we need to start focusing on the key positions, on corner, on pass rusher, on offensive line. Do they regret the draft strategy that they've had in the past? Well, I mean, uh, regret's a strong word. I mean, ultimately, they made a change at the GM position. So, yeah, I mean, they moved on from what they were doing. They felt like it wasn't the right thing to do. I, I You know, the, the tight end thing was a little bit different to me. Um, you, you say they had two good tight ends. When they drafted Trey McBride, they didn't know if Max Williams was ever going to play football again. So I think at that point, not knowing beyond Zach Ertz what you had at tight end and you had a chance to get this really talented guy, I, I think – that made a lot of sense. I, I don't have a big problem with that. Um, now, when you talk about getting premium positions, I think that's a, it's a fair argument. But but if you have holes at a certain position, um, they, they all end up being more premium than you'd like them to be. Um, you know, no one's going to sit out there and say, most of the time, offensive guard is a premium position, except when you start having holes there and you start having problems there, all of a sudden it becomes a heck of a lot more important. 
But most of the time, no team is, is looking to say, hey, let's go draft a guard in the first round. So I think the bigger problem with what they've done is this, they just haven't hit on enough picks as we've gone through the years. And that's, that's the biggest problem. The best player available was always kind of a misnomer anyways because best player available, when they were putting those draft boards together, need always factored into how they rank those players. So there was always a, a certain amount of need that was factored into those and, and, and made an impact on their, on their, on their draft board. So there, there was that, but yeah, it's going to be a little bit different with Monty. It'll be a little bit different with Monty next year, especially because I think this year is going to be more of a hybrid because they, they just can't change it all overnight. It, it's going to take a little time. Darren, great stuff as always, man. We appreciate the time. Thank you. All right. See you guys.